blessed me in the dawning of the King. He, the theme of heaven's praises, robed in frail humanity. In our longing, in our darkness, now the Today, as I mentioned, is the installation service for our new lead pastor, Daniel Nelms. This is 
a very special occasion for us. Um, we recognize the calling that he has as a pastor, um, and we also acknowledge the authorities and duties that he has as a lead pastor. Um, and to, do, to give that, we have what is called the charge to the pastor. And we have a special guest today here who will be giving the charge to the pastor. That'll be the first part. The second part is a reminder for us, the congregation, about our duty to follow the pastor's lead. That is what we call a charge to the congregation. And one of our elders will be giving that charge to us um, to remind us of that. So uh, at this time, Daniel and Alex, please come up and take your hot seats. <laughs> I'd also like to invite up our uh, friend and brother of Daniel, Eric Lawyer. He's a close friend, and he was a co-pastor at Redeemer for 10 years. So Eric will give us the charge to the pastor. Hello. The last time that I stood up at a pulpit with you two so close together, I was marrying you guys. So this brings back some beautiful memories. Um, this is an unbelievable honor. As I was thinking about the truth of this statement, um, I was thinking of the people who have been in my life since I became a believer 20 years ago. Um, Daniel, there is, uh, aside from my father, no man on this earth that I respect as highly as you. So it is an honor to be here, and it has been an honor to watch you two come together. Alex, I have had the privilege of, well, hopefully you see it as a privilege, of being in your life for more than half of your life now. And um, what an honor that has been. Um, and I know that Marcy shares that honor. And if she were sharing, she would be saying similar things that I am saying about Daniel. Um, you know how much I look up to my dad, so to let you know that there's no other man that I see on this earth that, that their integrity shines um, as much as my pops. Um, well, I think that they should know that that's how I feel about you. <clears throat> so Daniel, my charge to you comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verses 1 through 5, it says, and, when I, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstrations of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Daniel, my charge to you is simple. Preach nothing but Christ and Christ crucified. This was once a clear calling to the Christian minister. Um, if you look at the different Greek words, the New Testament is written in Greek, and you look for the words for preacher or the preaching of the gospel, one of those terms, the term used in this text is krino, meaning that you were seen as a herald of the message that Christ has died, that Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. 
Somewhere along the way, brothers and sisters, we have deviated from the simplicity of this message. These are not my words. Paul warned us in 2 Timothy that this was already happening by the close of the apostolic age of the church. So my charge to you, brother, is though this is becoming an increasingly difficult charge in 2020, preach Christ and Christ crucified. You know, ministries in 2020 are often measured by their ability to be able to navigate preaching Christ and Christ crucified plus and to make it sound as if they've added something of significance. Christ crucified plus the right politics and having your right guy in office. Your calling is to proclaim Christ and Christ crucified and to share with those who built our country that there is no king but King Jesus. When you proclaim the kingdom of God, when you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the only king that will come to set this right is King Jesus, who has died, who is risen, and who will come again. So brother, preach Christ and him crucified. Your calling is not to proclaim Christ plus having the perfectly nuanced view on racial inequality and tension in our country. Be a student of these things. But the calling is evermore to remind people of Christ and Christ crucified. That the answer for that that divides us is the division of the dividing wall of hostility in Ephesians 2 has been broken down when Jesus Christ was crucified, died, and rose again. So preach Christ and him crucified. Daniel, I charge you that the way that you are to grow this church you know, that I have teenage, uh, teenage daughter, Alex. You would probably remember me saying this back when I was a youth pastor, that the bait you use to catch them is the bait you're going to use to keep them. Brother, let the only bait that you use to catch them be the preaching of Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. You are called to grow this church the same way that the apostles grew the church, the same way our Lord grew this church and the same way that many faithful men and women have in the millennia sense by the preaching of nothing but Christ and him crucified. Not Christ minus. I spoke to you of the charge of the danger of speaking Christ plus. Not Christ minus the opportunity for the people of Emmanuel to share in the death, the life, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The charge to preach Christ and to Christ cru crucified is a charge to you, brothers and sisters, that you are called to take up your cross, to lay down your life, and to follow Christ your crucified, dead, and risen Savior forever and ever. Your calling is to lay down anything that is not Christ and him crucified. So body, I encourage you in helping Daniel and Alexandra walk in this calling. Your job is to encourage them to preach Christ and Christ crucified. 
Not every wind of change of doctrine that comes along. Paul warned us of this in 1 Timothy. Not every lick and trick and gimmick that comes along. Not everything that permeates the news that we feel like needs to come along. I had the privilege when I went to Moody Bible Institute of going to a good Bible church. And I remember there was this one, there, were, there was a season where there was a lot of stuff going on in the news when I was a student in Chicago. If you can imagine stuff going on in the news in Chicago. And... Um, Somebody came up and asked the pastor, when are you going to start preaching about these things? And I'll never forget his answer, and it's my charge to you. He said, after I've finished preaching, understanding, and perfectly living out everything in this book, then I shall begin preaching on the things that didn't make the cut. Brother, My calling to you is to not preach the things that didn't make the cut, and my calling to you, brothers and sisters, is to not desire the things that did not make the cut. Our sovereign Lord put everything that pertains to life and godliness within our scriptures. So train these people up in the scriptures, but let there always be a cross in full view and preach that Christ is crucified, that he is alive forevermore. Emmanuel Church, there is nothing that will come along to assist you in growing this church that will be as powerful as preaching Christ and Christ crucified. Paul said in Romans chapter 1 that it is the power of God unto salvation. There is no trick that we can learn. There is no philosophy of ministry that we can implement that can ever go any deeper than Christ and him crucified. For it is the only thing that we have the apostolic witness that calls it the very power of God unto salvation. So my final charge, Daniel and Alexandra, I remember hearing this, uh, you were with me when, when we heard it about a uh, young preacher who preached a very good message, told people to go home and be better, at what they were doing, told them ways that they could improve. Um, I remember this being formative to us in our early years. And a wiser brother said um, that was a perfectly good message that could have been preached in any mosque or any synagogue across this country because the cross of Christ was never even mentioned. Brother, every message that you preach is to have an old rugged cross in the middle of it, demonstrating that death has been defeated. Every, men, every message you preach is to have an empty tomb in it, showing the power of God unto salvation, because according to the text that I charge you with, your calling is that the people of Emmanuel's faith shall not rest in man, but of the power of God and of the Spirit. And Emmanuel, I end with this, your charge is to see that Daniel preaches the centrality of this old rugged cross and to understand that today it is just as relevant in your Christian life as it was 2,000 years ago. 
that when he stands up here and proclaims that the good news is that Jesus Christ has died, that he was buried, that the grave could not hold him, that he rose from the grave and that death could not defeat him. So now we can say with the apostle, O death, where is your sting? It has been swallowed up in victory. You are to ensure that you as a body are showing that there is relevance in that message through the cross being at the center of your sanctification as you grow as Christians. So you are called to deny yourselves, to take up this cross that Daniel is called to preach about in every message. And this is what it means for the Nelms and the body of Emmanuel to follow Christ together. Can I pray for you? Jesus, I thank you for this dear couple. Thank you uh, since 2004, Alexandra's been a, a part of our ministry, and, and I see her family back there, and just the gospel fruit that you have permeated in and through Daniel and Alexandra in New Jersey, in Georgia, in any place that their foot has touched. And Lord, we now ask that you would empower them for this ministry to this body. Lord, knit their hearts together with the people of this body and let the cross of Christ be proclaimed in power so that the faith of these people might not rest on mere mortal men, but on the proclamation of the power of God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Brother Eric. Now I'd like to call one of our elders, Joel Porter, to come forward and give the charge to the congregation. Welcome, Joel. Thank you, Stefan, and thank you, Eric, um, for that important, relevant, and yet so profoundly simple word that sometimes we do happen to, to miss that mark and we, we get lost in everything that's around us and, and we just have to remember to put Christ first, to put the cross in the center of it all. Thank you. It's not every day that I uh, take the opportunity to wear a suit. When I came downstairs this morning, my daughters were playing in the living room and my six-year-old Mara looks at me and says, Daddy, you look like a gentleman. <laughs> and... Uh, and I realize that something is missing because Stefan's rocking this great, uh, this great pocket square. Now I know exactly what to do with my mask. There we go. All right. Um, I also want to thank, as while I'm thanking Pastor Daniel and the elders, for allowing me the privilege to present the charge to Emmanuel Church for the installation of our new senior pastor and his family. It is truly an honor to serve you today. I had thought about delivering a three-point message about praying for your new pastor, welcoming the Nelms family into the Emmanuel family, 
and having reasonable expectations of him knowing that he is first and foremost a husband, a father, a fellow flawed human just like us. And while these points are biblical, true, and necessary for the duration of Pastor Dan's ministry, I believe the Holy Spirit impressed upon me to share a slightly different message about his requirements of us as a church and what we need to be doing to help Pastor Daniel be the most effective leader of this body that God has called him to be and to be the most effective body of Christ that God has called us to be. So I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles uh, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. If you're using the Pew Bible, you'll be looking for page 1158. Uh, For those of you who are joining us at home uh, or are using an electronic device, you can simply tap Ephesians. That was easy. Um, While you're turning there, I do like to share a brief story about the book of Ephesians. That's, That's kind of fun, a little bit of an icebreaker. I was speaking on Ephesians several years ago to the warehouse, to our, to our youth group. And our youth pastor at the time was doing a whole series on the letters from Paul to the various churches. And we started with Corinthians. And he quizzed the kids and said, do you know who the letters to the Corinthians were for? Where were they from? Anybody? What town? Corinth. All right. And then we got to Galatians. And what was the town that we were sending this letter to? Galatia. So I thought, I'm going to follow suit. I'm going to ask everybody, where do you think the letters to the Ephesians was sent to? And with all sincerity, a young man stand up and declared, Ephesia! (laughs) Pastor Maureen, this is what you get to look forward to. (laughs) Um, For those of you who are unaware, Ephesia is a fictitious town that lives in the um, mind of a uh, young man. The fact is, it was sent to... Ephesus. So I'm going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 16. I'm reading from the NASB, but you can follow along if you have something different. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, What does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended himself, also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine. That sounds familiar. Thank you, Eric. (laughs) By the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. 
We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. This theology-rich letter to the church of Ephesus begins with what is really the foundations of the Christian faith. If ever there is a charge to a church family, it's this. In fact, you can miss the mark on just about everything else. But if you can remember the verse, therefore I, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, I think you'll be all right. This is very similar to one of my favorite verses that I only sometimes take halfway out of context from time to time, and that's Philippians 1.27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I keep that phrase in my mind every time I'm doing something, whether I'm at work, whether I'm at home with my kids, whether I, you know, whatever the case may be, I'm constantly thinking, is this worthy of the gospel of Christ? And I will admit I fall short very often. But Paul goes on to say, so that whether I come and see you or remain silent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. This brings me to charge number one. Present yourselves worthy of the gospel of Christ. Thankfully, Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, clarifies this in verses two and three, with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And in what ways are we to be unified? The passage here goes on to say, there is one body, one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. God is sovereign, always in control, ever-present, ever-knowing, and ever-powerful. If there was ever anything that we could be unified on. These are the essentials in which we must have unity. This is the manner in which we conduct ourselves. The walk we are called to walk. We owe it to our God. We owe it to our community. We owe it to our friends and families. We owe it to ourselves, and we owe it to our pastor. We can have diverse opinions on so many other things, secondary, non-essential topics, but in order for us to stand firm, as Paul puts it in Philippians 1.27, and show tolerance for one another in love, as stated in Ephesians 4.2, we must agree on this, that there is one God omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, sovereign over all, one Son, one Spirit, one faith, and we are all believers in Christ that belong to one body. All are united under one head, and that is Christ himself. So let us not cling to a man. Let us not cling to a leader. Let us not cling to a pastor, but let us not cling to anything that is temporal, but cling to the Holy One who is eternal and perfect. Yes, let us be worthy of the calling to which we have been called, the calling we have received, the awesome privilege of being called Christ's very own, Be humble, be gentle, be patient, be understanding, and be peaceful. Present yourselves 
in such a way that others see Christ in you. If we can strive for this, we will be in a better position to partner with Pastor Daniel to bring the good news to Wilmington and its vicinity. I'm going to skip ahead for a moment to verse 14 and 15. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. This brings me to charge number two. Be committed to the ultimate truth. Keeping God's word as your authoritative source. So we've established what truth is. Now it's your responsibility to uphold it. Upholding the truth means keeping yourself grounded in Scripture through regular Bible study, reading, and daily devotions. I know we do a pretty good job of this, but it's so important that it bears repeating. Christ stated that man should not live on bread alone in Matthew 4.4 while he was being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. He goes on to say, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, the mouth of God is the word of God that you hold in your hand. We need to know and obey the word of God. Furthermore, Sunday mornings cannot be our only truth meal to sustain us. For us to grow in our understanding of scripture, to grow in our faith, and even grow in our ministry to our neighbors, Pastor Daniel needs us to be committing to eating three square meals, metaphorically speaking, per day, from the authoritative source, which is the Bible. Be wary of the other winds of doctrine, the trickery of men, and the craftiness of deceitful scheming, especially that which we often see shared on social media or presented in the news. Our pastor is here to help you on your journey, and your elders are committed to, pass, uh, to partnering with Pastor Daniel. I would go so far as to say even pastoring with Pastor Daniel. If you come across a passage of scripture you are unsure of, or the teaching from other sources that gives you pause, you have that little heart check in your spirit that says, I'm not so sure about that. Shoot us an email. Give us a call. Let us meet for hot brewed or steeped beverage, you know, coffee or tea. Speaking of reaching out to us, part of being committed to the truth is keeping your pastor and elders accountable. One characteristic of Pastor Daniel that I've learned over the past few months that I admire most is that he constantly taps the shoulders of the elders for additional clarity and insight in his devotion to speaking the truth to the body. He asked us to keep him accountable, and we ask you to do the same. Eric charged your pastor earlier to preach Christ and Christ crucified. That is to be his priority, and that is to be our priority. We're going to hold him accountable, just as he's asked us to. And whenever you need additional clarity and insight, let's talk. Now we'll hop back to to verse 7, where Paul continues his charge to the church of Ephesus. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Verse 11 says, and he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Finally, charge number three. Know your role as you fulfill your purpose. 
we have but one purpose, and that is to glorify God. To praise his name above any other name. To make himself the center of our lives. To go into all the world and make disciples. That's another sermon for another day, but what I wanted to touch on here is identifying how your unique and beautifully crafted puzzle piece fits into the bigger picture of God's kingdom. As it states in this passage, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers, we all have a role. And our roles complement each other. And let's just be reminded of what verse 12 and 13 says, for the equipping of the saints, that's all of us, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. I'm going to stop there. Did you see what Paul did there? Let's look at the second half of verse 12 and the first part of verse 13 again. To the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith. We've come full circle. Right back to the beginning. Walking in unity in a manner worthy, worthy of the calling, is both the priority and the process. And it requires us to be both, one, striving individually, and two, using gifts God has given us to build each other up and for the work of service. To some, this means taking on the role of an apostle. To some, a prophet. To some, an evangelist. And to some, a pastor or teacher. We may not be able to be all things to all people. And this is why it's so crucial for us to be digging deep into the word, spending time on our knees in prayer, asking God to search our hearts and reveal how he would have us fulfill our purpose of glorifying him in this body. It takes all of us bringing our unique God-given talents to the table to make this ministry work. Pastor Daniel needs each of us to be doing our part to fulfill God's calling on Emmanuel. The whole thing can't rest on the shoulders of one man. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 to 24, which I'll encourage you to read on your own, takes this concept and uses the human body as an analogy. For the sake of time, I'll paraphrase it for you. Paul emphasizes the importance of each church member. If a seemingly insignificant part is taken away, the whole body becomes less effective. He uses metaphors like if one of you is an eye, don't try to be a hand. Eyes are not really good at being hands. We use the gifts we have been given and encourage others to use theirs. If we don't, the body of believers will be less effective. And this is how our family works. Thank you, church. I love you. And I love you. Thank you, Joel. So right now, I would like to invite the elders, all of them, to come up here, and we're going to lay hands on the gnomes as safely and distantly as we can. We'd invite you to do the same, to reach out your hand symbolically as we pray.